Hello and welcome to Nobody's Coming to Fix You, a podcast for women, by women, talking all things life, empowerment and transformation. My name is Del Beer. I'm a businesswoman, sustainability advocate, industry leader in my field and have spent my whole career working in the fashion industry, working out what women actually want. I am the creator of the Sandsland Coaching and Transformation Programme and I am your host for this podcast. Joining me throughout the series will be lots of fabulous women and men too to talk about how we can share the best hacks to live our best lives. the Negotiation Society podcast. I'm your host, Durin Ergun, and in today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Dalbir Baines. Dalbir is an expert in the fashion and commerce sector where her career trajectory is nothing less than inspiring for me and hopefully also for you. We will delve into her transformative role at Zalando, where she as a VP elevated the brand from ordinary to extraordinary, doubling its revenue within four years by also mastering negotiations. Embracing the principles of collaborative negotiation, she offers uh, each discussion with empathy and authenticity. Currently, Delbert dedicates herself to mentoring as a life and career coach with a particular focus on the empowerment of women. Please join us in this conversation. Very warm welcome to you, Delbert. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. I'm so excited to talk to you because your journey is very remarkable. Could you please? Uh, take us through your journey and share some key moments that have shaped your uh, career and where you stand today. Hi, Dirin. Um, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, I'm very excited to be on this podcast. Um, I think there have been many um, interesting moments in the journey. Um, and I actually um, was talking to my parents the other day and uh, we were laughing at the probably the first pivotal moment being me going home after university and saying, that I'm not going to be a lawyer as I had originally planned, but I was going to become a fashion buyer. And I remember them thinking, uh, then saying out loud, like, well, that sounds great, but what is it? You know, no what they didn't know what a fashion buyer actually was. So I think that was probably the first pivotal moment in, in like in, in, in my career. But I think that I was very lucky. I worked in some, I worked for some great companies where I was able to really take away lots of different experiences and build up my skills portfolio and I think that you know some of the ones that I think I would really call out I think House of Fraser was very interesting because I think it was very much about learning to negotiate with a very broad band of people from you know factories in China where we would need an interpreter to manage conversations right the way through to top-end brands like Calvin Klein in, in, in New York talking to their top executives so you were constantly negotiating like across all the levels. House of Fraser at the time was a business that was kind of a what I would call a high low department store. So they focused on every all price points. So that was that was very exciting um, time. Um, ETAM was after that. And that was very interesting because it was very much about price. And I really had to learn to become a 
an expert negotiator because there you were dealing with pence it literally i mean we would go to our bosses to get garments signed off and if they weren't at the right margin they wouldn't get signed off so sometimes you'd be haggling for a week to get like three pence off a garment or something so that was very interesting um and then you know lots of other experiences afterwards freeman's was great because it was about learning to sell off a page and not selling um in a bricks and mortar environment which is where i was used to before um because before before freeman's everything had been in a store where a customer could touch and feel it freeman's i had to learn to create product that was sold literally as an image which i was 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 really kind of challenging and um yeah india was a great <laughs> was a great learning experience india could be a podcast on its own it's that was a that was a huge experience but i think india was very interesting because it allowed me to diversify from my traditional areas of com creative commercial negotiating into other fields like um to work more holistically across customer PR communications and all the rest of it. So that was very interesting. Zalando, obviously, I know we're going to talk about on this podcast, but Zalando was 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 very diverse and challenging and rewarding at the same time. And then latterly, um, I built a sustainable brand. And I think that again was something that really was about delivering a proposition that was relevant to the consumer in, at the right time. And I really felt that what the consumer needed was an affordable brand that was aspirational in its design but transparent in its kind of values and um yeah and and i created that and, and it's done very well it's clear that your career path has been notably diverse and also it seems that you have mastered the art, art of negotiation externally but before we go into that i would first like to ask because that is often a bit underlooked uh, the art of negotiation with oneself, because if you're making those decisions like you shared, becoming a fashion buyer instead of a lawyer, how uh, also looking at what you're doing now, could you uh, uh, share how you are doing the negotiations with yourself when you're making these big decisions in your life? I think what I believe is that, you know, our values um, and our thoughts are constantly evolving. And I'm very comfortable with that. I'm very comfortable that I am constantly evolving as a person and my views can often um, uh, change or evolve depending on what new information comes to light and, and what, what my circumstances are. So I think that because I have this open mind where I'm constantly open to kind of um, uh, new ideas, I often arrive at a place where I'm like, oh, I feel differently about something now. And um, and then when I have that realization, then you only have two choices and either you change as a result of what you learned about yourself or you 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 carry on as you are. And I always feel that like, you know, change is really hard, especially some of the changes that I try and put myself through. They're quite transformative. But I think that regret is much harder. So for me, it's always, you know, what will be better for me in the long run, taking this big decision to make this big change in my career and um, or to change in a different direction within my career or just sitting there and wishing I had done it and then regretting it. So so actually, because I know that I hate regret so much, I often feel it's quite an easy decision um, to kind of move into things. And I'm not really I also don't suffer from a lot of fear. 
um I have a mindset where I often think you know like what's the worst that can happen and I and sometimes that does get me into a lot of trouble as well you know so it doesn't always work great but generally whenever I'm trying something I think to myself well let's give it a go let's try it what what could be the you know what could happen what's the worst that could happen you might lose some time you might lose some money you might lose a little bit of credibility but you have the experience that you tried something and you will definitely take away some learnings whatever you do whether you win at it or you fail at it there will be learnings most likely that you will apply in the future so it, there's always there are always some wins even in the losses some wins in the losses so that's a nice reflection for people to also rethink how they are negotiating with themselves so when you look at your negotiations in your business environment and with all these different roles and focuses on price or uh, on other uh, on other priorities can you share a bit what your foundational principles are when it comes to negotiation how do you for example you shared an open mind or trusting or allowing you to learn within the process are those also your foundational principles for uh, your business negotiations I think yes I mean I think in business what's really important is for us to be authentic as leaders it's something that I care very passionately about and as you know I've started my own podcast now as well um, nobody's coming to fix you and I think that a lot of what we will discuss on that podcast is about us being authentic as people and us being uh, authentic as leaders and I think the world we live in today is is one where we're becoming more scared to speak openly and speak our mind and 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 talk you know honestly about our feelings for, for fear of offending somebody so and i feel like that what happens in those moments then inauthenticity creeps in so i really believe in authentic leadership and um, i also think that very much um transfers into negotiation because to me there are like three key things for every negotiation that matter you know it's, you've got to be honest, you've got to be transparent, and you've got to be fair. And I think they are probably the three most important kind of, you know, principles of negotiating that, that I think really matter. And they all kind of like, you know, stem from, you know, you being yourself and you being authentic. And I think in terms of being honest, you know, I think that if you're anything other than honest, you will get found out. At some point, you will get found out, maybe not in that particular negotiation, but later down the line, you will get found out. And if people don't believe in what you're saying, that negotiation is always going to be troubled. You know, so so I think you could the best thing you can do is just be very honest. I think being transparent is something that a lot of people are not comfortable with because a lot of people believe that the secret to a good negotiation is playing your cards very close to your chest. Personally, that's not my style. Um, I I feel that um, working in the spirit of transparency and being open and um, you know honest and um, showing your cards often makes for a better dialogue because if you are transparent, often the other party will you know respond with the same degree of transparency, and then you've got a lot more information on the table, and often a better negotiation will come out of it. So that's very important. And then the last one is fairness, and I think fairness is very very important um quite often in negotiations there will be a mismatch in terms of the partnership that's having the two parties that are having the negotiation and people can take advantage of that and people can kind of misuse that again i think that's something that for me was 
I've been very focused on my whole career that I don't ever let the fact that I work in a big organization mean that I take advantage of a partner that's smaller. And I would go so far as to say that sometimes, you know, I work harder for partners that are much smaller than the business that I'm representing to make them feel that they are in an equal partnership. So one thing I always do is I always make sure that I have done my research about the other party and more than research, I've kind of put myself in their shoes. I've actually thought about where they're coming from in this negotiation, what they want to get from the negotiation and what they stand to lose or gain, depending on the way the negotiation goes. And I often find that if you start a negotiation, bringing that to the conversation, bringing that sort of level of insight into their business and understanding of their business into a conversation, it makes for a really good conversation because people then suddenly realize, oh, I'm not the small guy in the meeting. They actually have thought about me. They've considered what matters to my business that's at my size and the challenges and the implications of this deal. Um, so I think, you know, I think fairness goes a really, really long way. And um, and I think it's just really important for whatever size of business that you're in, that you you manage that negotiation in the fairest way possible. I'm sure uh, this will appeal to many people that really are approaching their negotiation value driven, but it's not always possible. As we know, uh, in the last couple of years, the negotiation challenges have been even more tense, a lot of pressure on uh, logistic pricing, uh, a lot of uh, uh, pressures in the market. How can you ensure that the prerequisites are there for you to be able to have that dialogue negotiation based on the three things that you have mentioned? I think it really is cards on the table. I think that's what you actually need. I think you have to really put information on the table. You're right, the situation today is much more challenging. You know, people don't want to pass costs on to consumers and rightly so, but costs are going up everywhere and have been for the last couple of years. So between, you know, the parties that are producing the goods and getting the goods to the consumers, those costs have got to be absorbed, right? But I, I still think that, you know, efficiencies have to be found for, like, throughout a negotiation, but can that can't really happen unless people are prepared to say, well, these are my costs and, and, and this is where I need your help. But sometimes I think what can be helpful is if you expand on your cost base and you go broader than than what you're actually negotiating in that moment. You might find that there's somewhere else in that costing scenario where there could be savings, where there's waste. The amount of times I've been in negotiation where we have actually improved the bottom line for both organizations by going after something that was never the starting point of our negotiation. You know, we found a saving um, for our joint mutual businesses that could help both of us get to the place you want to get to. So, so that, that's again, it's the point about if you sort of open up the conversation, if you sort of unpack the, 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 the business model, there, there's always savings to be had. There's always negotiations that can be successful, but not always in the direction where you started. You also refer to authenticity. That is often sometimes also for people, negotiators, a bit more challenging because they're experiencing stress. So they feel that they need to, you know, uh, be a bit more maybe reserved or that they need to enter into a bit of a different vibe. Is there anything that you do to 
uh, ensure that you can remain authentic to yourself while you are in a high stressful or high conflict situation? I mean, for me, I have to always just remind myself that I have to be my most natural self. You know, I think negotiations are stressful situations. And I have, um, you know, sat in negotiations with people who haven't really trained through their career to become negotiators. I mean, I was negotiating straight out of university. Um, when I worked in Berlin, I worked with a lot of McKinsey consultants and BCG consultants, and they were great. But a lot of them had come straight into these big jobs, but had never been involved in negotiating. And um, it was really interesting because they hadn't kind of honed any negotiating skills. So it, their way of handling a negotiation was almost by being quite assertive. Like it was almost like I'm coming to the table and I need this. This is what I sort of expect of this if the, this negotiation. And I, I saw a lot of those conversations play out um, and always, not always, but quite often unsuccessfully. Because actually, if both sides have got this kind of reserved, slightly assertive approach to a negotiation, and both maintaining that they need to come away with some level of success um, for their business, their organization, and not listening to the other party, honestly, it's really not the best way. Um, so, so for me, I will always enter a negotiation being as relaxed as I can, trying to make the other person feel as relaxed as, I, as they can, so that we can um, get as much out of the conversation as possible. Um, so there's been many an occasion where I've had to kind of like, kind of sort of 10 minutes into a conversation, just trying to put my hands up and say, look, we need to kind of reset the mood here, actually. You know, we're being really formal. We're all being a bit tense. Let's relax. This is, you know, partnership conversation. You know, we're in a partnership. We want to both, we want to do best for both companies. Everybody, you know, take a breather and um, and then just kind of start again in a more kind of like friendly and authentic environment. That's really, uh, that triggers something with me because I'm sure that depending on the industry that might have been new for your counterparties that they had such a warm or open approach. So did you feel that sometimes since assertive can be more dominant in the negotiation table that your approach, what was your experience of parties that were maybe surprised with it or were not expecting it because they were used to getting uh, a certain uh, uh, approach towards them. Did you have any surprises at the table because you were taking a very different approach? Yeah, I think I think people were surprised, but I think also they were they were they were and they weren't. I mean, it wasn't like I was saying, oh, like you know, let's just be friends and let's just talk about you know, you know, our, our last holiday or something. I was like, let's keep the tone friendly, let's all relax, but. The negotiation was still pretty tough, you know. Like we would still have, you know, uh, you know, we would still go in there with a view that we needed to get to a place. I was just that I would be very happy to kind of put my cards, you know, like on the table. And uh, so people were often surprised that I, you know, like I walked in very relaxed and very calm. Um, but often I would say, I more times than less, I would leave a negotiation very happy with what we've been able to achieve. So it was just about sort of disarming people. It was just about taking the pressure out of a situation. It was about it was about getting people to relax and therefore think collaboratively and to think like a partnership. And you know, sometimes you really had to kind of be so transparent to show people how their efforts were not helping a partnership. There was one 
particular partner who will remain nameless in this conversation, who was a very big, big potential partner for Zalando. And they were coming up with a deal that was really not favourable to Zalando at all, would be significantly loss making. And our founder at the time, at the time he still is the founder, David David Schneider, um, was very, very keen to partner with, with, with this organisation. And um, the deal just wasn't that great. And I was sort of stuck in the middle. I, you know, I, I very much wanted to do the deal with these guys, but I also knew that it really was beyond kind of unfair what they were putting on the table. So then we just created like a, a three-year P&L of this partnership of what it would bring, and I just presented it to them, and I just said, here's what this P&L looks like for you know in a three-year period of working with you. These are the losses that we will sustain over a three-year period. Is this the partnership you want to be in? Is this what you want from your partner? And immediately they were like, no, this is not what we want. Because nobody's going to say, I want to be in a partnership with somebody who's making losses whilst I'm making profit. So, so that level of transparency generated an immediate kind of like change of mindset from them. And they realized that we were really struggling with the negotiation to the point that we had to you know, really show our hand and really show our numbers. So, um, so that's the point when I say about like transparency can can often help. And um, you know, it takes a lot to kind of put all of those numbers in front of other people. But it really proved to the other side that we wanted to work with them. But if we did it, we would do it in a way that simply didn't support our business, and that therefore didn't support the business, the partnership. That example definitely give uh, more color. What I love about what you're saying is that you are. Uh, focusing on creating the right environment, the right mindset, the right context, so people can really focus on uh, creativity, solution finding, understanding that can be much more uh, helpful for getting a mutual uh, agreement for both sides. So I, I think that is often overlooked, uh, especially uh, nowadays, because things are becoming much more harder for both sides. So thank you for highlighting that. So Dalbir, you're currently uh, working as a life and career coach. So what does negotiation play a role now in this uh, new adventure of yours? Yes, that's correct. Um, I'm a career and transformation coach and uh, and a huge amount of negotiation is required in there because as you alluded to at the first part of the conversation about me negotiating with myself, my role now at the moment is very much about um, supporting people who are negotiating with themselves. And there are a lot of people out there who are at a point in their life where they want to make change um, and change is not easy. And you know, for some of us, it happens more easily and for others, it's more challenging. So what I want to do is I want to support people, especially women, um, to transform their lives um, by coaching them throughout the various steps of that journey. Um, so I've created a coaching program, which is a 12 month coaching program where um, people can come and join and um, talk about what their goals are. And I will work alongside them with some other coaches to help them to achieve their goals. Um, so, so I think negotiating will remain a really big part of, of even the coaching business. For, uh, for any professional who's listening now and who really want to evolve themselves as a negotiator in their professional careers, what are some practical tips that you would like to give them? I would say be yourself. 
be authentic, be yourself, you know, don't treat a negotiation as anything other than a business meeting. Don't go into it with, you know, tensed muscles and, you know, like, you know, flexed muscles and don't be all kind of stressed about it. Just go into it as a as a conversation. Do your research um, on the other on the person that you're in a negotiation with. Show compassion and support for um, for, for all sides of the conversation and under business understanding of for all sides of the conversation. And um, yeah, and, and not every negotiation will work out the first time round. I think sometimes a negotiation conversation might open up more points and issues that mean that a negotiation is going to take two or three rounds of conversation and that's also fine. But I think that I think that there's a there's a way of going through a negotiation where you stay motivated and um, empowered and so does the other the other person in the conversation and I think that's what you should always aim towards. That was a beautiful advice Dalbir. Thank you so much. I've learned a lot from you and I thank you for highlighting the importance of also disarming the other side, creating the right environment so both parties can really work for a solution. So I think that's a message that uh, needs to be heard and reinforced even in these challenging times. So it was really uh, great and I have some great quotes uh, change is hard, but regret is much harder. So I will remember that one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Nobody's Coming to Fix You. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please follow us and subscribe for future episodes. If you have any questions about the content of this show, all the details will be in the show notes. You can also reach out to us on Instagram and TikTok at Santaland Coaching. Nobody's Coming to Fix You is brought to you by Santaland, a 12-month coaching and transformation program for women. To learn more, please go to www.santaland.com. I'm your host, Albia. Until next time, stay well.